I think it's really important to um, enjoy what you do. Just be really focused on the input so you understand what the output is. So if I'm ever overwhelmed, there's too much to do, I just take a step back and I understand exactly what needs to be done and just focus on getting it done. And just think about ways of just automating as much as you can so it's not as much like manual work. And I really, really enjoy what I do. I enjoy the people that I work with. So I like to surround myself and um, hire people that stimulate me intelligently and make me want to come to work. So I definitely stay sane because of the people that I work with that just bring like really good energy to the office every day. Hi, and welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaStock. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and on this week's episode, I talk with Nazma Kurban, Chief Revenue Officer of Cognizant, about how she's managed to build a predictable outbound sales machine in the past two and a half years. When Nazma joined Cognizant, she was the first sales employee. The company had one paying customer, so the world was hers to conquer and bring in the revenue. Nazma. Nazma knew the way to go was outbound, so she started building a predictable outbound strategy. Driven and ambitious, Nazma would go to every networking event she could, knock on many doors to get a ton of advice and spurt as much interest about Cognizant as possible. Two and a half years later, she's built a team of 25, mostly comprised of graduates that she carefully upskills. The learning mentality is still present among them, and you'd be hard pressed to go to a meetup in London and not run into someone from Cognizant these days. The efforts have paid off. The retention of employees is incredibly high, and nowadays, Cognizant earns $5 million in ARR. Cognizant is a truly remarkable story with outstanding salespeople in the heart of it. Listen on to hear how Nazma makes sure the graduates she hires stay in the company. One thing that what we did to begin with is because we realised that we were making exceptions and if anybody had a doubt, we wouldn't really speak up because we thought, okay, right, the, the majority of the people that are interviewers that are involved in the process are really keen on this candidate, but yet I'm not. And so we made a blanket rule that if there's any doubt, we just won't progress and move forward with the candidate. So in the beginning, when you don't have enough enough people in the sales process, and it's just yourself and one of the founders, you might feel obliged to say yes, because this person is your boss, essentially, and you don't really want to be the awkward one. And especially early on, when there's not that many of you, I would highly recommend that you lean on advisors, you lean on some of your investors, because they definitely have experience in this. The secret to upskilling graduates? I had two SDRs that started and then um, we put a very clear progression path in and that progression path is that they would basically end up becoming PTS. A part of that role was that they would become a mentor and that all of the all of the training that I provided them, it would filter down and I think that's filtered down to today. And one thing that we are not bad at cognizant uh, is that we don't get a million in class before we talk, and in some cases two weeks. And there's a very intense two-week training. Um, after the second um, lunchtime, so second day lunchtime, they then start doing goal plays, and on the third day, they're actually on the phone. And we found that actually, if they are on the phone, um, they're not as anxious because a lot of people are so worried before before we get the phone because everything it's been um, there's been a lot of like. Uh, pressure put on them actually performing and so we just put them on the phone somebody sits next to them and we just uh, shadow them and help them record and help them script. One key tenet to building a predictable revenue machine. First and foremost having a focused role 
So as I mentioned before, we have an STR. Now STR's goal is to generate qualified opportunities. It's also one of the KPIs is to make a certain number of calls. So we have a, a metrics of 60 calls. Now what we believe is in the 10,000 hour Malcolm Gladwell work rule, which means that if you basically dedicate 10,000 hours to a certain task, then you become an expert at it. So we have really, really big beliefs in that. What we also are very big on is just understanding the metrics. So the very first thing is that in order to have a predictable uh, outbound revenue machine, you need to have people that are dedicated to a certain role that are hitting certain metrics. And if every single person on that conveyor belt is hitting those targets, then the output output should be predictable as long as the quality is there. And if there's any drop in that quality or in the numbers, then we understand that it's going to affect the entire engine. Nasma is one of the many excellent speakers we'll host at SASTOP19 in Dublin this October, 14th to the 16th, who will help you improve your sales efforts. So if you're struggling in sales, you're struggling to get traction, your first 10 customers, first 100 customers, your first 100K in ARR, or your first million in ARR, during the three days at SASTOP, you'll learn a lot more from the likes of Jacko van der Kooy, CEO of Winning by Design, Steady FD, CEO of Close.io, Patricia Duchenne, VP of Sales and GM of Europe of Reich. Glenn Cahill is the uh, VP of Sales at New Relic, uh, and many others. Uh, it really is going to be a masterclass across three days on go-to-market, on sales, on marketing, uh, really the full stack of running and growing a SaaS business. Um, also, it's going to be awesome fun because it's in Dublin and uh, it's going to be great to crack, as the Irish say, uh, in the evening. Uh, now, grab a ticket now at sasdop.com for the best possible price. I really can't wait for the next two and a half months to go uh, for SASDOP 19, uh, October the 14th to 16th. See you there. Welcome to the SAS Revolution Show, Nasma Kerban, Chief Revenue Officer at Cognizant. Welcome, Nasma. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're um, looking forward to seeing you guys at SASDOC 19 in Dublin, where you'll be uh, partnering with us um, for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. We're really excited about it. I had a lot of great feedback from the attendees and exhibitors that I attended last year, so we're really, really keen to... Um, this partnership. Great stuff. Uh, Nasma, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell the audience, you know, who is Nasma Kerbin? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, I'm Chief Revenue Officer for one of the fastest growing companies um, in the UK. So we just closed a Series B round um, to help us um, expand globally. And so my role within Cognizant um, is that I look after sales and marketing uh, and look after the revenue engine of the entire business, which includes customer success. What, what, what does Cognizant do? Uh, so we are a sales acceleration technology company, so an all-in-one outbound solution with compliant uh, with a compliant global data asset. So we merge contact company and event data, ensuring that you reach out to the right person at the time at the right time. Um, unlike other data providers out there, Cognizant, uh, where we deliver high quality uh, compliant data with unrivaled customer support. Can you give an indication like the size of uh, of the company? You mentioned you're the fastest growing company in the UK. Um, how many em- employees have you got at the moment? And- yeah, absolutely. So, so we launched two and a half years ago. I was actually the first salesperson, the first employee in London. Um, at present, we have 100 employees. And we have uh, 25 uh, salespeople 
we've gone from zero revenue to almost hitting 5 million in annual recurring revenue, hopefully in the coming weeks. Um, and we've built the client base from zero to 330 in uh, two and a half years. Well, that's great stuff. So you you started, uh, you were the first employee, you mentioned the first sales uh, employee. And uh, when you joined, were you at zero revenue? Did you already have 10 customers uh, you know, at the time? What was the kind of the lay of the land? We had one paying customer and we had one trial customer. So we were very, very new. And um, I started the role as head of business development, which um, in all honesty, it was just a glamorized 360 BDM role. Uh, so my uh, job at the time was to basically go to the market and, and generate revenue and bring on uh, the first customers. Where did you find the first customers? Predominantly, it was all outbound. So I went to absolutely every single networking event that I could find in London. Um, I called outreach. And actually, the, the reality of my role was that it was very intensive. So I was um, trying to generate interest and have conversations with potential prospects, um, not just in the UK, but also in the US, uh, because we thought that that would be quite a, a, a huge market for us. And what we found was that we got a lot more traction because we actually had a physical body in London. Um, so predominantly, it was outbound, and I just tried to connect with as many people as possible. I would knock on doors, and it wouldn't necessarily be a sell. It would be um, asking for advice. Um, and if they felt that it would add value, then we would start discussing um, how we'd partner with the organisation. You can't go to a networking event in the UK today without seeing somebody from Cognizant there, right? Is this something that they've learned from you that you've seen like in the early days we had this success and, you know, this is a great approach for Cognizant and therefore we continue to do that, you know, to this day? Um, no, so the, the whole networking part was really just to build relationships where you can have a conversation with somebody and get um, tangible feedback. Uh, predominantly it was through Outbound now, with the whole networking and having everyone, and I think that's a huge uh, compliment uh, to us as a business, is that we have everybody at events, is that it's really um, important for the um, employees to be completely engrossed in the um, industry and understand exactly what the trends are and um, network with like-minded individuals. And um, I'm sure we'll lead on to exactly what the team looks like, but um, it just... Um, a little insight predominantly we hire graduates and so we encourage them to go to events to have conversations and just to learn as much as they can about sales um, and uh, about the industry and it, it's um, a really nice um, uh, I guess it works really well for us because we actually sell to salespeople so it's really interesting that we can network with people and understand um, like an, an upskill through these networking events and through this thought uh, thought leadership and knowledge sharing um, events but also we can sell to this audience so on the team there that predominantly uh, you hire graduates what is the rough percentage of the 100 employees that are, are graduates within cognizant okay so it depends on which department in the in the sales department 
basically we have a particular revenue engine where we have an SDR team and we have a BDM team. Every single person within the sales team, um, including myself, started off as an SDR, so we're, we're doing an SDR role. Um, I believe we only have one person um, that wasn't a graduate that actually came from experience and he started off as a project manager and then wanted to work in the sales team and we just believe that's really important to basically hit the ground running call calling. So the sales team is 98% graduates. Our CS team is pretty much 98%. And I think overall in the London office, 95% are graduates. And that's changing as we're growing and as we're evolving because we really need experienced people when it comes to um, when we can't find the skill in-house um, and we need expertise. So for example, our head of marketing is, um, she has eight years of experience. We've just recently hired an enterprise SDR rep who's had ex just over 80 months of experience as an SDR. So that's definitely shifting. Um, but from, I guess, the two and a half years um, of, of growing this business, we focused um, specifically on the graduate market. Let's uh, unpack a couple of things there. So on the, uh, the, the sales teams, obviously, you know, you've had great results, like, you know, zero to five million ARR soon, you know, in, in two years. Um, what do, and you were the first salesperson, what does a sales team look like, you, you know, today uh, after two years? You know, what is the size? Uh, how is that made up, you know, SDRs, field sales, etc.? Yeah, absolutely. So we have, at the moment, we have two leads so SDR leads so they basically manage um, their respective teams and so they have six SDRs each so in total we have 12 SDRs and we have two sales sales team leads and then okay. our BDM team is made out of seven so it's a two to one ratio at the moment and one of the reasons for this because initially or not even just initially about six months ago we had a one I think nine months ago we had a 1.5 ratio, ratio, and that's changed um, because of um, that we we basically didn't um, invest as much in marketing recently. So that's changing and evolving. And the target is before the end of the year we get to a 1.5 to um, each BDM. And, and so, how do you ensure that you get? the right candidates, that you onboard them, and, and I guess that, that you keep them as well, right? Because, I mean, we've seen, you know, you know and in my experience, like, you know, finding the right graduate and somebody that's, you know, that's going to stay with you, you know, can be challenging you know, for companies. Absolutely. So I'm really proud of the fact that we have 95% retention, re, um, retention employee rate in our sales team. And um, so I think we're, we're definitely doing something right. And I think it definitely starts up from hiring. Um, of course, a lot of this happens in the beginning where you make a lot of mistakes, um, as I'm sure a lot of um, businesses and startups do. Now, when, when it comes to hiring, I think we made we failed fast and early on. And so we understood exactly which kind of profiles that we look for. And for anybody who is starting up a business and wants to like learn about exactly how to hire, one thing that we, what we did to begin with is because we realized that we were making exceptions. And if anybody had a doubt, we wouldn't really speak up because we thought, okay, right, the, the majority of um, the people that are in, interviewers and that are involved in the process are really keen on this candidate, but yet I'm not. And so we made a blanket rule that 
if there's any doubt, we just won't progress and move forward with the candidate. So in the beginning, when you don't have enough, enough people in the sales process and it's just yourself and one of the founders, um, you might feel obliged to say yes, because this person is your boss, essentially, and you don't really want to you know, be the awkward one. Um, and then we, we learned really quickly that there, there were definitely some doubts and I definitely didn't want to say no to the CEO. And especially early on, when there's not that many of you, I would highly recommend that you lean on advisors, you lean on some of your investors because they definitely have um, they definitely have experience in this. Now, fast forward to where we are today, um, we have about four people involved in the sales process um, and we do have a profile. So we understand the people that we look for, we look for people that have grit and we look for people that are overachievers um, and we look for people that are really looking to um, basically work in a startup and understand the, the, the reality of working um, in a high-paced, like high-pressure sales environment. So, um, yeah, we, I guess we have profiles and we have the, our interview processes that they've been our um, first-stage interview and then they'll meet somebody in the team and then they'll have um, a final-stage interview um, with myself and the two others um, where there's a presentation about why, um, why them and why Cognizant and why sales. Um, and that's usually 10 minutes and we can... We can very easily make a decision um, after that interview process. And I feel like we've, um, and, and culture is a huge thing as well. So we need to ensure that this person fits into very well to the organization. So how do they, are they just learning on the job, uh, you know, cutting their teeth by, you know, doing the SDR uh, sort of role and are there kind of like processes in place so that they getting training from yourself? Mm -hmm learning from you know you or more experienced people what is the um what is the, the secret there okay great good question okay so what happened was to begin with um, i had two sdrs that started and then um we put a very clear progression path in and that progression path is that they would basically end up becoming bdms a part of that role was that they would become a mentor and that all of the all of the training that i provided them it would filter down and i think that's filtered down to today and one thing that we are not fans at, uh, at Cognizant is that we don't put somebody in a classroom for a week or um, in some cases two weeks. And there's a very intense two-week training. Um, after the second um, lunchtime, so second day lunchtime, they then start doing bold plays and on the third day they're actually on the phone. And we found that actually if they are on the phone, um, they're not as anxious because a lot of people are so worried before before picking up the phone because everything it's been um there's been a lot of like uh, pressure put on them actually performing and so we just put them on the phone somebody sits next to them and we just um, shadow them and help them with the calls and help them with the scripts we also give them an entire catalog of um what good looks like and, and what good doesn't look like and we don't provide them with a script, we provide them with a framework and then we ask them to go away and then rewrite their script, um, which is, uh, the mirrors their personality, uh, so they don't feel like they are scripted. Every single person, um, and I, this has puts a lot of pressure on the people that are joining our SDR team, every single person that started as an SDR has booked one sales-qualified meeting um, in the first week of joining Cognizant, and that's purely because of the support that we provide them. And also one thing that we do just as management is that we take ownership of any gaps in performance. So if we find that somebody started the role and in two weeks they're not hitting the target or they're not hitting the KPIs, we take ownership of providing them with the support. Um, and I feel like sometimes in some organizations you have that three-week training and then you're kind of left to your own 
um, uh, to your yeah to, to your own to basically deliver. So we're very very big on taking um, accountability for any gaps in performance, and as long as they're doing the right um, activity, they should be hitting the numbers. You build this predictable outbound revenue machine, right? Um, what are I, I guess kind of like the, the key? If you can highlight the key sort of ingredients, the key pillars, you know, for this, and we uh, and, and perhaps we can kind of touch on those. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so I think first and foremost, having uh, focused roles. So as I mentioned before, we have an SDR. Now, SDR's role is to generate qualified opportunities. Um, it's also one of the KPIs is to make a certain number of calls. So we have a, a metrics of 60 calls. Now, what we believe is in the 10,000 hour work um, role, or, I'm sorry, um, 10, 10,000 hour Malcolm Gladwell um, work rule, which means that if you basically dedicate 10,000 hours to a certain task, um, then you become an expert at it. So we really, really big believes in that. And um, what we also are very big on is just understanding the metrics. So the very first thing is that in order to have a predictable uh, outbound revenue machine, you need to have people that are dedicated to a certain role that are hitting certain metrics. And if every single person on that conveyor belt is hitting those targets, then the output output should be predictable as long as the quality is there. And if there's any drop in that quality or in the numbers, then we understand that it's going to affect the entire engine. And for somebody who's starting up, starting out, um, one thing that I would highly recommend is to start um, understanding your metrics from the offset. Even if you have an SDR, to understand exactly how many calls that SDR needs to make in order to generate a certain number of meetings. And if you are carrying out those meetings, understanding exactly what the conversion rate is until they get to a point where they're at, which you feel are at peak performance. And then you know that you can replicate that and that's just going to multiply the results. You've created the Cognizant Sales Playbook. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I guess the sales playbook was uh, for my own purposes, to be honest with you, to begin with, just for me to just get everything, all the processes that we have, just on a one, just in one document. And that's really helped with when we have individuals that come into the company and want to learn about the entire process. And it also helps understand every single metric um, that we're trying to achieve as part of the big revenue picture. Um, but that also breaks down to different departments. For example, with an SDR, we understand exactly how many cadences um, a good, um, a good, um, I, I guess, outreach campaign looks like. And um, we understand exactly what good outreach for LinkedIn, for example, campaign looks like. Um, we also have scripts and we have objectives all in one document, which means that if somebody has had experience and maybe like three weeks of experience and yeah, they come across an objective and nobody's there around them, they can actually open up a book and it's a glossary and it's, um, uh, and it's not just a document, it's a living uh, and breathing document which we're updating uh, every quarter because we're evolving and we're changing our processes and you know, we're coming up against like, new competitors, for example. Um, and so all of that information is sitting in that one living, breathing document which helps um, everybody in the team, including um, certain businesses that, um, that come on and want to basically become our client because we help with the outbound process. We can also help provide that to them to get them to understand exactly what good looks like. Are you able to share a little bit about what your sales stack looks like? I mean, I assume you drink your own champagne with uh, 
using your own uh, platform. Um, but uh, what, what else? What are the tools that your sales team are using with this uh, incredible growth? Okay, so we are very big believers in investing in technology that helps us automate our process. So we do have quite a large uh, tech stack. And um, most recently, we've invested in Drift. So that's going to help automate um, our marketing because we have like quite a lot of traction on our website. So we have Drift at the moment. We have Salesforce. So as soon as I started, one of the first things that we did was implement Salesforce, which has been, um, honestly, I like, I, we wouldn't be where we are if we didn't have um, a CRM which can help track the metrics like Salesforce does. Mm-hmm. We use Prospector. We use a we use um, a cadencing tool called Salesloft. We use Chili Piper, which is around Robin. So, for example, if an SDR books a meeting, uh, and you have a number of different BVMs, just to ensure that there's fairness and that different uh, prospects are being funneled into a different queue. So, a different BVM, for example, if we have somebody, if we have an enterprise or we have a partnership demo, it needs to be assigned to an individual. This helps automate that process. And um, we also use PandaDoc for our signatures. We use Zoom for our um, web conferencing. And we use Prospector for all of our data. And we use our Salesforce application as well. So we've just recently launched our Salesforce application. So the SDR team can basically generate uh, their own um, contacts, their accounts and their contacts within uh, the Salesforce um, environment. So they have full autonomy of exactly who they're targeting. A lot of tools, a lot more than we use in uh, SASDOC. Uh, so it gets me thinking perhaps we, uh, we, we need more to achieve the results that, that you guys are uh, experiencing. Now, you, obviously, you're, we mentioned in the beginning that you guys are partnering with, uh, with SASDOC this year um, for the uh, event in Dublin, and you'll also be speaking. Have you, whilst we're, I think, less than three months away now um, uh, from the, the, the mid-October uh, conference have you had thoughts in terms of what you'll be speaking about like early stages of a startup and exactly how um, all other functions especially super early on um, contribute to basically finding that market fit and feeding that back into product so that you're creating a product that is actually adding value to the market rather than just making an assumption or and um, just creating for a small number of customers and so how we did that really early on really helped um, us design and create what we have today which is adding value to more than 300 customers excellent well i look forward to, to seeing that uh, at sasp 19 in dublin in uh, october uh, 14th to the the, the 16th and uh, um, final question uh, nesma as we uh, come to the end of the show we always like to ask our guests how they stay healthy and sane on their sas journey so what is your way i think it's really important to um, enjoy um, what you do and just be really focused on the input so you understand what the output is. So if I'm ever overwhelmed, there's too much to do, I just take a step back and I understand exactly what needs to be done and just focus on getting it done. Um, so not overwhelming, which was definitely a vice of mine when I first started. Um, and um, just think about ways of just automating as much as you can so it's not as much like manual work and I really really enjoy what I do I enjoy the people that I work with so I like to surround myself and um, hire people that stimulate me intelligently um, and also um, make me want to come to work so I definitely stay sane because of the people that I work with that just bring like really good energy to the office every day 
and I stay healthy by, um, I'm very big on self-development, so I always take time in the mornings and an hour out before my day begins, even if that means that one day I have a 6.30 start, I'm up at 5.30, um, and just focus on um, exactly what I'm looking to achieve and meditate and just focus on just clearing my mind um, so that I can focus on what need, get, needs to get done in the day. So very big on meditation and very big on um, developing myself, de- developing myself and having a healthier mind. Definitely, we've seen. Uh, I think certainly in the podcast over the last the, la- the last year or so that uh, a, a lot of people, a lot of our guests, you, you know, are much more into you know sort of mindfulness, meditation, um, you know, as well as a, a, you know exercise, but meditation to really kind of clear the mind and uh, you know help with. Uh, the stresses of uh, of work and the pressures of work, but also the focus. Uh, and so that's kind of great to see. And I'm sure we'll be discussing a lot of that stuff at, at SASDOC as well. So Nazma, looking forward to seeing you in Dublin. You've been a great guest, um, shared some amazing uh, you know lessons uh, with us today. So that, that bodes well for uh, for, for Dublin. Um, thank you so much, Nazma Kurban, uh, CRO at uh, Cognizant, for being a guest on the SAS Revolution Show today. Thank you, Alex. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the SAS Revolution Show and you picked up valuable lessons from NASMA. As a reminder, you can see NASMA and many other excellent SAS sales experts at SAS.19. You want to grow your SAS business, you want to get traction, you want to grow, you want to scale, you really need to be there. Uh, thanks for listening and see you next time.